0: I was just taking calls whenever they came in, no matter what they were, no matter what time it was, I was eager to make another sale. I was eager to grow. I saw the potential, and so I didn't care where I was, what I was doing. Whenever a call came in, I was excited to answer it.
1: Hello, and welcome to Building a Furniture Brand with Ethan Abramson, the show that talks about the business behind the furniture business. On this episode, I sit down with Andrew Barbaro, owner of the furniture company Lumberlovin. Customer service is an art, and when you're selling on platforms like Etsy, it's an art that you need to perfect to stand out. And so that is exactly what Andrew has been doing for the last six years. Growing his business skills alongside his client skills has led to continued success in this industry, well beyond what he could have imagined when he started out. Andrew's business is also a masterclass in finding your own niche in a market and focusing on that market to make the most of what you offer. So, follow along as we talk about how to make Etsy work for you, working with customers remotely, managing your company's growth, and much more. So, let's start the episode and hear about Andrew's story in his own
0: words. Yeah, as a kid, I loved building. I mean, Not just building, but just having an entrepreneurial spirit in general. I used to go to flea markets and set up uh, stands selling what I thought was trending at the time. So woodworking wise, it was always a passion of mine when I was really young, but we didn't grow up with much, so I didn't have any tools. So that came much later. You know, life hits you and you get a job, pay the mortgage, all that good stuff. So... Basically, my whole woodworking journey started with our cat and our dog and their love-hate relationship. So the cat would chase the dog, dog would chase the cat. Uh, It was a nut house. So wife asked me if I could build a gate to separate the dog from the cat that also had like a little cat portal. So luckily, we just gutted our daughter's, my stepdaughter's bedroom. And her walls were covered with three-quarter-inch cedar boards. And when I took them down, they were beautiful. So I put them in the basement. We had a pretty large basement. I had a table saw from a job I was uh, working previously. So I was like, oh, maybe I'll try messing around with some of the boards. And that's what I ended up building the cat gate out of. And my wife, Jess, said, that's beautiful. You should try to sell it online. So I ended up opening up an Etsy shop in 2016. I put the gate up. It was probably up for about a month before it was purchased. It was exciting at the time. I was working a job that I loathed doing property inspections. It wasn't where I saw my future being at all. (laughs) So once that gate sold, it kind of gave me motivation to start designing other gates, put a few more up on the site. They started selling, and before you knew it, a lot were selling. (laughs) People were reaching out asking for different designs, and I had literally zero woodworking experience whatsoever. Uh, My past jobs were in uh, sheet metal, welding, fabricating that way. So I was always building, but not really uh, woodworking. It's a completely different animal. I wanted to see if I could figure out how to do. You know, whatever job they were giving me. So I pretty much take on every order that came in. Someone would pitch me a barn door. I tried it, it worked out. I shipped it out. They installed it, they took pictures, they sent it back. Pictures were beautiful. So I used those photos from the customer to create another listing. And then we started selling barn doors. I was in my basement wood shop for I think two and a half years working probably 16 hours every day of the week between my full-time job and the part-time woodworking business. Then I decided uh, it was time to put in my two-week notice and go full-time at this. Orders were coming in pretty much every day or every other day. And I had a pretty good product line that was different. It filled a niche and people liked it. To this day, with over, I think, 550 reviews, were nothing under five stars.
1: (laughs) Well, that's incredibly impressive to have so many years of positive reviews. Your product and your customer service is top-notch, and that's what your potential customers are seeing, and that's what's bringing people in the door. And I obviously want to get into that, and I want to get into more of your business and how it's continued to grow, but I want to take a step back for a second, and, and kind of get into your head a little bit. When you made that first gate, it might be hard to think back to that time. But I think it's very important to, to talk about what was going through your head, because you said that you didn't have any woodworking experience, you had building experience, but you didn't. But you weren't a woodworker, you weren't a furniture maker, you weren't a gate builder, and you made one. And then people started trying to buy it. There's a big difference between making something for yourself and your family and making something that you sell to people and goes out in the world to people that you don't know. And I think that mental switch of I can make stuff for myself versus I can make stuff for other people is what holds a lot of people back from starting their own furniture company, because they think I can't do this at a larger scale at a, at a scale beyond just a personal scale. So thinking back, what was, what was in your head when you made that switch?
0: I posted it up and didn't share it really anywhere else, but on Etsy, I wasn't talking to my friends about it or saying anything. It was kind of like, I was almost embarrassed of what it looked like at the time. So after that first sale, something clicked that level of confidence came in like, Oh, well, somebody likes it, you know, maybe more people will like it. Basically having that confidence boost is what fired me up to want to keep going. At first, this was just another attempt at a business to try to get myself out of the job that I was in that I hated. But once people started purchasing after that first gate, I knew that this could obviously be something much bigger.
1: Well, after six years in business, it's obviously something bigger. Something bigger has grown out of it. And you've moved from your basement to a shop and you have three employees plus yourself. And it's it's turned into something bigger than I'm sure you ever could have imagined in the beginning when you sold that first uh, cat dog divider. Absolutely. (laughs) Let's talk about selling on Etsy because you're not the first person I've talked to on the show who started your business on Etsy, but it's a different thing starting a business on Etsy versus starting a business on your own, through your own website or through your own store. Obviously things have changed since you started in 2016. But talk through a little bit about what it's like to sell on Etsy from the beginning and what you're doing now to continue to be driving those sales.
0: All of the research into how to set up Etsy came obviously from my end, just Googling, looking at other people's shops, how they have it set up, how they have their photos set up, how their wording is, keywords, SEO, all of that I did on my own, trying to gear all of my tag words, obviously, towards the products I was selling. Once I had that in place and customers were reaching out, I've always been a very good people person, customer service person. So whenever there was a message, I'll have my notifications on. If there was a message, i try to respond to it immediately, no matter where I was or what I was doing. Uh, People don't really like to wait, or at least I don't anyway, I'm not very patient. (laughs) So I always try to respond to customers immediately and friendly and try to engage with them as much as possible and pick their mind into what they want. Uh, A lot of customers that reach out don't know what they want. They have a beautiful home. They want something that fits well with their decor. And I like to be that guy that can give my input as far as design, color and whatnot uh, for a piece that is personalized, tailored to their needs. Customers love that.
1: Custom furniture is hard when you're doing it locally, but you're doing it all over the country and balancing that five star review and also not seeing actual spaces and designing it just over the phone. That must get pretty tricky. How are you doing that? so well? What's the the secret of being able to get good sight measurements, get a good design sense, get exactly what the client wants, not only visually what they want, but also actually works in the space? How are you doing that?
0: Sure. Well, the photos are a great start showing them dimensions exact dimensions needed with lines. So it's uh, very user-friendly having those photos. That being said, not everyone is great with a tape measure. So I always offer my phone number to FaceTime to help them walk through the process. That doesn't happen often though. If there's ever an issue fitment wise, it's typically an easy fix by just sending out a new component to the gate. Now, I never charge for sending out that additional component. If it needs to be optimized, if their dimensions were off, I'll help them out and I'll send that out to them uh, uh, free of charge. It's worth that. It's worth that extra $15. If they're going to leave a five star review, tell their friends gaining more word of mouth sales. Sometimes I'll mess up on a dimension. I'll have to swallow my pride. That's fine. (laughs) Remake the gate, send it out free of charge. Obviously, I won't have them eat shipping or anything like that, especially if it's on my end, obviously. But any problems, any hiccups, take care of immediately. And people will remember that forever. Every time they look at that gate, every time they have company over, they'll be excited to say, hey, this guy, Lumberlovin, he really did a great job with this gate. Uh, He he messed up one dimension, but he he came back, he fixed it promptly, and it goes a long way for sure.
1: There's no denying that your customers love your work. It's there in black and white in the reviews, and it shows the quality of your customer service and your skills. But there is always that line of when you're running a business, so much customer service that it eats into your profit, it eats into what you're what you're making on each product. And it's hard to run a business at a loss. And I know you're not doing that. Obviously, you have been in business for a while, you have employees, you are making sales, you're doing well, but you also said that sometimes you do eat costs if there are mistakes on the client's end, not something that has anything to do with you. but a client issue. And you do send out samples, I believe, for all of your projects, and that's for free. And all of your products have shipping also for free factored in. It's, it's great for customer service. And I I if I was a client, I would be overjoyed. This seems like the easiest process in the entire world to order something from you. But from your end as a business owner, How are you making sure you're getting the profit that you need from each sale?
0: I make sure that my level of customer service is shown in the price point. It might be a little more expensive. It is, my gates are significantly more expensive than the majority of the sellers on Etsy, but it's for a reason. I build a quality gate, I use top quality materials, the best that I can anyway, and I'm always there 24 seven to Help uh, troubleshoot any issues during install. If there's any damage during shipping, filing claims, helping the customers so they have the most smoothest experience they could have from an online custom furniture shop. And with that, it is a lot of work. I don't think I'm I'm overcharging by any means that customer service level on top of the product. So I know I'm going to send out samples. I incorporate that into the price. I know my highest level of shipping across the country. I'll incorporate that into the price as well. Most of our work is actually in Texas and California, and we're over here, obviously, on the East Coast and PA. So incorporating everything into the price and knowing that no matter what, you're going to be covered for the cost of replacing a component if necessary or replacing an entire gate if necessary. Obviously, it won't cover that completely, but not being scared to have a high price point you can't sell yourself short for sure, especially if you're making a product that is getting rave reviews.
1: It is. And you're making a luxury product in the marketplace that you're selling in. Maybe not overall in the the big scheme of, of furniture making, but in your market, in the Etsy market, you would be considered a more luxury product. But you've put in that time, you've put in that effort, you've put in that customer service to make sure your name stands out. And and because of that work that you put in on the customer service end, people know that you're the person to go to for this, even though your prices might be a little bit higher, you've made yourself stand out. And that's your marketing tool, just as much as the way the pieces look you've definitely niched down with gates and barn doors. That's your bread and butter. That is what you're known for. That's what you do. Yes, you do custom variations of all of those. But those are your two things that you make and what you're known for. And because you make so many of both of those items, you know exactly what your costs are with shipping, like you said, what your costs are with replacing things with samples. And so you have that all locked down because you are a custom shop, but you're a a niche custom shop with those two things. Have you thought of branching out at all? You've been doing this for six years. Have you thought of of branching out from those two types of, of projects? Or Do you feel like that's where your sweet spot is?
0: Every weekend now, I am in the shop on what I call creative day for myself. I create different products, mirrors, uh, tables, coffee tables, uh, floating shelves, pretty much everything I could think of that I see is trending, uh, especially design wise. So my product line is ever growing. Customers reach out not just for baby gates and doors. They see that I'm a woodworker. So they'll ask me for, hey, do you build custom tables? Do you build mirrors? And even if it's a project that I've never done before or don't have any experience with, I'll take it on instantly. Because honestly, what's the worst that could happen? I can't fulfill the order and I have to refund. I've been in business six years. It's never happened. I will go at it until I figure it out. And cool thing is it usually entails having to purchase new machinery or tools, which I love doing. (laughs) So yeah, uh, product line is, is ever evolving for sure. I'd love to get out of, not get out of, but not be building so many barn doors or baby gates. I love variety. I love trying out new things. So uh, the more the merrier for sure.
1: People who are very familiar with selling on Etsy might know this answer, but there's a lot of people out there who are not that familiar. And so I'm asking this question for them. When you get a client reaching out and they say, can you make something that's not on your Etsy page? How does that work on the back end, on the business end? Because you don't have your own website, your only form of Sales is through the Etsy page. When somebody says, I love your work, I want a table, but it's not there, what are the steps you take to sell that table to the customer?
0: So essentially, I'll ask them for an inspiration photo to give me an idea of what they want. Once I see that photo, I'll let them know if it's doable. I'll usually draw up a sketch, send it back to them, say, Hey, we can do this. Do a slight variation, or if it's something that I'm confident enough that I can mimic myself, I will use the inspiration photo that they sent me as their main listing photo in the link that I send them to purchase. So basically, it looks like another product on my site. Now, that's an inspiration photo means it's probably copywritten or something along those lines. So I don't want to keep it up on the site. So it's a one and done. It will be a, a quantity one link I send to them. Once they purchase, I build, I ship out. Once they get it, as soon as I know it's delivered within a few days, I follow with, up with the customer and say, hey, love to get your input on you know, how the table turned out or whatever it is. I always ask for a review. I never push it. I just say, you know, reviews really help my small business grow, I'd like to leave a review. That'd be great. If not, no worries. But I always ask for a photo as well. Hey, send some photos. I love having new designs to showcase on my site. And 99.9 of the customers will send that photo, especially if they're in all of what you just sent them those photos will replace the main listing photo and that will be a totally new listing on my shop. And for the most part, my customers are awesome photographers. So I have, you know, most of the the listings on my site, 99% of them at least, are all photos that were sent from customers and they look beautiful. Some I'll have to doctor a little bit, but it's, you know, that's not a big deal.
1: So all of your sales are going through Etsy. You're not taking anything off the platform.
0: Actually, the, our off Etsy sales have gone up substantially since um, the six years we've been in business. As soon as I started getting some reviews on Google, I have 60 reviews on Google, which is actually high for a lot of furniture companies. And I attribute that to sending customers a Google review link. As well especially if they're off Etsy if they're on Etsy I'll ask them you know you could either leave a review on my Google business page or on Etsy itself or on both if you'd like and usually people do both so we did probably I think another 1500 sales off of Etsy just from word of mouth or people googling my page and finding me that way
1: You seem to have the client review pitch down to a science, you're getting reviews from everywhere and good reviews, not just he was okay, or that was okay, you're getting good reviews. (laughs) Business owners are sometimes afraid to ask for reviews because they feel like it's imposing on their client, they don't want to put extra work on their client, they don't want to, to come off seeming pushy. And then the reviews won't be good because that's the last taste that the customer has of the interaction. What does your asking for reviews process look like on Etsy and also off Etsy? And how are you doing it in such a way that people want to leave reviews? They not only are doing it, but they're excited to do it. And they're giving you good reviews and they're giving you pictures and they're, they're telling their
0: friends. Basically, I'm blessed with customers that are very, very happy with their product. And as soon as I ask, I, I always follow up. I don't immediately ask for the review. I follow up once I know the product is delivered, just to see that it was delivered intact and everything is fitting and functioning the way it should be. Once they respond, they're already pretty excited you know, this looks great. This is a focal point in our home. We love it. Uh, As soon as that message comes in, that's when I say, I'm so happy that you love the product. If you get an opportunity to leave a review on our Google business page or on our Etsy, that would be great. They really help my small business grow. If not, no worries at all. And I don't think that's Applying any pressure whatsoever. That's and and like I said, the majority of the customers are eager to do that. They usually do it within minutes of me sending that message. And like I said, they'll do both. They'll do, do Google and they'll do Etsy. Sometimes they'll go on my Facebook page. Uh, they'll tag me on Instagram, showing you know their product. So no, in in my mind, that's never even been a thought being pushy. It's growing your business. I mean, that would be the last thing that I would worry about is coming off as pushy when I'm trying to grow my business and get reviews. So people see that I'm creating product that works.
1: I think anybody who's listened this far into the episode understands that the key takeaway is customer service for you. And that's, that's how you've grown. And that's how you continue to grow. Absolutely. I want to talk about phone numbers and You have a phone number on your Etsy page and you said 24 seven, you can, you can take a call and you can work with a customer whenever they need it. Being able to be contacted by a customer through email or DMs or even texting sometimes is a way that people put themselves out there and stay in touch. But giving a phone number takes it to a whole nother level it brings it up a notch because you have to take that call in the moment or you have to return that call. And that takes more time than copying and pasting an email or sending a text and also leaves you open to people calling who might just be kicking the tires might just be wanting to ask for information, but aren't actually following through. A phone number on your site is another thing that business owners stress out about a little bit. Do I want to leave myself that open? Obviously, it's been working for you. So how have you been taking calls, but also doing it in an efficient manner that it's not impacting your day?
0: Well, a work line is a must for sure. So I have a work cell phone that I use. And the other biggest thing is my wife. (laughs) She is My uh, part-time secretary, she's a full-time nurse in the NICU and here in Abington, PA. Uh, She does the majority of our customer service now, which is great. Before she came on board, I was just taking calls. Whenever they came in, no matter what they were, no matter what time it was, I was eager to make another sale. I was eager to grow, I saw the potential, and so I didn't care where I was, what I was doing. Obviously if I was out with my wife for dinner or something, I wasn't answering the phone, but <laughs> but for the most part, whenever a call came in, I was excited to answer it. I was excited to potentially get a new product or just get a new sale in general. So having that phone number also opens up a better line of communications, especially with customers that aren't too familiar with the Etsy platform. It's a little confusing. It's hard to find the description section. They don't know what they're purchasing. Uh, They don't know that I could adjust sizes to tailor to their openings. A lot of people want to talk to somebody on the phone or they feel more comfortable texting, Um, especially the older generation. They don't want to send back and forth emails or messages through the Etsy platform. So opening up that line of communication uh, via the work cell is very, very important in my opinion.
1: As somebody who's been doing this for a while, we've, we've talked about it, six plus years, multiple employees, great reviews, and being very successful in what you're doing as somebody who has that experience under your belt, when you're talking to people and and people ask your advice about how to either start their own business, or they've been doing it for a while, but they want their own business to be running better. What advice do you share with people thinking back on your own experiences for them to be successful in this industry?
0: They have to take risks. Taking risks is what got me to where I am now. Quitting my full-time job, huge risk, especially with family, mortgage, ongoing bills. Getting this facility, huge amount of overhead added. But it's the only way to grow. We outgrew the basement scene. Stepping out of your comfort zone, gaining that confidence in yourself. If you have that entrepreneurial spirit, I mean, anyone can do it. If I can do it, anyone can do it. Find a product, find something that you like doing, post it up, take pictures, put on your social media and see what happens. Tweak things. I mean, I've gone through numerous uh, occasions where things wouldn't work out. I knew they weren't going to work out. So I had to shift gears go in another direction. And just find what works for you. Going in knowing that there's going to be ups and downs. Going in knowing that there's going to be way more downs and ups, especially in the first few years. You have to have that mindset. As soon as something goes bad, you can't just you can't just lay down. You got to keep getting up. Like I said, when I first started this, those first three years, man, <laughs> they were they were rough. They were rough. Um, just ups and downs, trying to deal with capital, keeping money in the account, paying for a uh, material for orders. It was very, very difficult not knowing, you know, I wasn't an accountant. I didn't know how to do the books, how to price my stuff properly. It's all a learning curve and it takes time. But if you put that time in, it is, it is very much worth it.
1: Well, I want to thank you for sharing all that and for sharing that it is worth it for you in your business. And I want to thank you for talking
0: through the
1: good and the bad of what you've gone through. And I wish you nothing but success as your business continues to grow.
0: Thank you. I appreciate it very much.
1: (laughs) Thank you so much for listening to the show. If you liked what you heard and you got value out of it, Please think about leaving a review and subscribing wherever you listen. To learn more about the series, please visit buildingafurniturebrand.com, and feel free to reach out anytime with questions or guest suggestions to hello at buildingafurniturebrand.com. You can find me at the Build With Ethan on Instagram. Hope you enjoyed the show and can't wait to bring you the next one.